And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 635, continuing our team-by-team previews for the 2024 fantasy baseball season, getting close to the end in the AL and the AL West to top it off in order to help me preview the defending current World Series champion, Texas Rangers. He helped me last year. We're going to do it again this year. He is the reigning NFBC online auction overall champion. He has his own website, dcdynasty.co, and he is a lead baseball analyst at FTN Fantasy. You can find him on Twitter at LucasBeery33. Lucas, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. And uh, who would have thought that the Rangers would have won it all last year? I certainly didn't, especially with how their pitching came into October and a hell of a roster up and down. So, yeah, I'm excited to break it down with you. Yep, pretty fun. Like, yeah, when we previewed this last year, this was not probably one of our favorites to, uh, you know, we thought the offense would be there. Lots of questions around everything else. And, you know, what if DeGrom can throw 100 innings? All those kind of fun debates we were having last year. They got the job done without DeGrom and many others. It was pretty impressive to do. Bruce Bochy with another one. I love Boch, obviously. Um, so that that was fun. But let's um, let's talk some of this. Too. We're going to go through the hitters and pitchers as usual, talk some uh, prospects and more. And Lucas and I, I'll just be transparent. We were behind the scenes trying to figure out this contract deal for them because we thought they were getting paid. We don't know if they are. All the articles we read said they're still under, they don't really get help till 2025. So we'll see. We'll play this one by ear. So we don't know what the Rangers are up to besides hosting a banner to start the season. So let's start out with uh, Marcus Simeon. The, uh, it seems like just the consist the little engine that could, he's going to be 34 this year, which Father time eventually catches up, but again, 162 games last year, just continues to play every single day and rack up plate appearance after plate appearance after plate appearance, uh, 29 homers, 14 steals, 276 average. And right now, if you're looking at a guy like Marcus Simeon, you're paying um, a draft price of doo, 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 over the last 15 drafts, a draft price of 30. So he's at the two, three turn. What's your thoughts on Simeon heading into 2024? Yeah, uh, like you said, he just keeps cranking out excellent year after excellent year after excellent year. Um, just a monster source of runs every year. His health grade is excellent, but we all know that it just takes you know one pitch off of a wrist for you to go down for a month or two and for him to lose some value because he does require all that playing time for him to reach his value. Um, his power metrics are all still pretty good since he has such a pull fly ball approach, but um, – the steals going down has me turned off on him slightly. Uh, I still think he's a very reasonable pick in the third round because he's unlikely to bust. Um, but the depth of second base has me looking at other options like Glaber Torres, Cattell Marte, personally. Yep, I'm with you. I've uh, kind of been on the – I respect what he's doing, but yep. I don't want to be there when he um, – <laughs> you said it literally it just takes a 10-day IL stint or like maybe a little longer, 10, you might be able to get away with a little longer. And it's pretty much curtains for the continued um, success. He has, he's kind of like the Sandy Alcantara of hitters. Like yeah, you got to accumulate it to make it work. And it was all that went for Sandy. Um, and it can happen eventually for Simeon. Not sure when it will, but uh, I just won't be there when it happens. Corey Seager, another guy where we talk about injury concerns, but even 119 games last year, 33 homers, just like he did in 2022. 88 runs, uh, 96 RBIs, and hit 327. Just an insane year from Corey Seager. You got to pay for it a little more this year when it comes to Corey Seager with an ADP of about 1920-ish over the last 15, 16 drafts. So how are you evaluating Corey Seager heading into 2024? 
Yeah, so Seeger, um, from my recollection, has never been priced any higher. I think it's due to the collective fantasy baseball world highly valuing batting average uh, mm-hmm. since he's a career 292 bat uh, with a well above average power counting stats and one of the best offenses in the league. Um, there is that durability question mark that hangs over his head. And for me, I kind of thought that was a little bit overblown, but um, he does have a little bit more of one than most players. Um, but if you want that guy that's going to hit you 30 plus home runs, 100 runs, 100 RBIs potentially with 300 plus average, that elite 300 average will be able to let you stream in off the waiver wire a little bit more guilt free since you're going to boost up your base. So I have no problem with him in the second round. Yep. I've been much more inclined to Seager than in years past just because it's true. The uh, fantasy world industry, Twitter, whatever you want to call it has become much more like, Hey, I need batting average. I need batting average. I need batting average. And they're much more in tune to it than in years past, but for good reasons. And what he's doing is ridiculous, especially if he can start doing it like in 140 games, just ups that value to a whole new level, which is pretty crazy. So yeah, I'm there. Just, you know, get your saves, your, your steals accordingly as you're going. Adelise Garcia, want to hit on him real quick here. Obviously, he has a an ADP of 47 over the last 15 drafts, and he continues to do it. Even after, like in 2021, when he went 31 16, everyone's like, oh, he strikes out too much. He can't do this, that, or the other. Backed it up in 2022, backed it up again in 2023 with 39 home runs, 108 runs, 107 RBIs. Those three were career highs. Only nine steals, though. Plate discipline was pretty impressive, though. He walked uh, almost as much, basically the most he's had in his three-year full-time run in the bigs. So how are you looking at Adelise? Are we are we finally like, okay, this guy is legit, or is there still holes that leave you a bit concerned? You know, uh, unfortunately, Adelise is a guy that I've been wrong on every year of his career since he's become a full-time regular in Texas. And, um, you know, he's a guy that just kind of gives me some concerns as he's going to hit that, hit that age 31 uh, before the season starts. And, um, players that just have this type of plate discipline do worry me, but he's improved it. So I've got to give him his credit. Uh, you know, that being said, um, if you're looking at a guy who can hit 30, 35 home runs easily, uh, probably more 35 on the projection to be part of an elite offense and 10 plus steals. Um, even if he is more of a 250 average, I, I do think that I understand this draft cost, but for me, I just, I have a bias where I haven't been able to get there, but he's certainly a hell of a ball player. Yep, I like Adelise. Uh, haven't forced it. Something I've talked about on other shows is that like uh, third round area is usually where I get my SP1. Yeah. So it makes it a little tricky for me to be going for the Adelises of the world. But if it works out in a build, I have zero problem taking Adelise Garcia. It just depends on how I go about things. Like if I start as ADP keeps, starts to fluctuate more in fab leagues, if pitching moves up, which it usually does, and you'll hear that narrative a ton, then maybe I start taking a pitcher in round two. And then there's where Adelise and company or the hitters that fell out around two come into play. So it'll be an interesting world where I don't have many in draft and holds right now, but wouldn't be shocked come fab season if Adelise starts ending up on some clubs as I build some more. I do think with uh, Garcia, if you look at his 2021, 35% O-swing, 37% O-swing in 2022, but last year it was only 30%. So a person like me who's naturally kind of faded him, I think that's makes me feel better about him growing as a player. Yep. He's developing. And it's, yep. uh, it's one of those, not so much like he's only, he's 30, which some might say is old, but it's after three full seasons of regular playing time. So he's late to the party basically. Yes. And, uh, 
that's where I, I look at it more so. Like, it's great. We see a ton of dudes, like especially middle infielders these days, 22, 23, 24. Like, this is awesome. They're going to keep just doing it. Well, at least didn't have that luxury in St. Louis. And then he goes to Texas, and here we are. So I'm with you, with you very, very much. Nathaniel Lowe, this is a, an interesting one because he seems like he gets just kind of quiet, you know, 17 homers, one steal, 262 last year, but career highs and runs in RBIs because the Rangers' offense wasn't juggernaut. So depending on what you're looking for, he did help you in some areas, kind of let you down a bit in others. But um, it's kind of who he is. He had like a big 2022, but – was 2023 kind of matched 2021 in a roundabout way? So you're looking at Nathaniel Lowe, ADP of 211. Is this someone that interests you at all? Probably more of a corner infield than a first base option, but does he interest you at all? For me, not interested. He, he's kind of a funny, quirky player since he does not pull the ball hardly at all. He's a going opposite field and up the middle. I think he kind of waits on fastball since elite velocity ate him alive in Tampa, and he made a – change to kind of let the ball come in on him more and go opposite and up the middle. But for me, um, I would rather just wait on the position, take a bounce back on Anthony Rizzo, Heck yeah, go for a Josh Bell, or worst case, I think Ty France could put up similar numbers to Nathaniel Lowe, um, since I think he's got a, a huge cap on his home runs. Um, and I think that he will start to sit against left-handed arms. Yep, I don't think you're wrong. Like I like low, really good OBP guy. If you're in yeah. one of those formats, but when you know he had that big 27 home run season in 2022, but other, like I said, surrounded by 18 and 17, I think he's probably more the 18 and 17 guy. Yes, and and at that point, he what's he really doing for you if he's not stealing 15 bags or something? So he, I'm with you. He's he's more of a four category guy, and the one of the categories in power isn't really what you need either. So maybe more of a three and a half category guy. And that's not really going to cut it for you. Jonah Heim, big, big 23 for Jonah Heim, where he played 131 games. After playing 127 in, um, in 2022, we say big, big year, but he basically backed it up, 16 homers to 18, two steals each. The counting stats are huge, 95 RBIs, Mylanta. And his batting average jumped to 258. Batting average, who knows? It's tough to uh, guarantee 95 RBIs again in the catcher's position. That's the one thing I'll throw out there right out the gate to people that are like, oh, Jonah. And I still think Jonah's very good. I think he's catching too much flack in certain circles. Um, yeah, I don't think he deserves all of that. But at the same time, like there definitely needs to be a little comeback. Power's there. Average should be okay. Counting stats get tempered on. But ADP of 175. So what are your thoughts on Jonah Heim? Yeah, I think at that price, um, I don't think it's a horrible pick or anything. But for me, I would either – invest in the previous grouping of catchers with a Wilson Contreras uh, or catch a Sal Perez, or I would just keep waiting and waiting because I think Ryan Jeffers could put up similar numbers. Um, so yeah, for me, Haim is just in a place where uh, he's going to flirt with the 20 home run mark, potentially um, excellent RBIs, probably 65 plus I would imagine, but it's going to come down significantly from the 95 and, as far as batting average, I think he'll be not hurting you, but probably won't help you out either. So just for me, I think there's guys I like before him and guys I like after him. So I'm not paying a 175 ADP or so. That was a very quality political answer there. That was good because <laughs> uh, I've heard many people just talk down on Jonah Heim, but um, the catcher's pool so deep, I think is what kind of hurts him more than his exactly than his production. And yeah. that, that's the part, I guess, where I get annoyed when they start pointing at the production. But production is pretty good. Like, it's not that bad. And if the pool wasn't so deep, we'd be all over that kind of production. 
Yes. But, but the pool is much deeper. So I was about to say, if it was most years, this would yes. look a lot better. But yes. given this year how deep it is, it just is kind of vanilla, and it's not not cheap either. So 100%. Yeah, and I like Jeffers a lot, so I'm, I'm with you on that. Josh Young. Now things start to get fun here in Texas. The going to be 26-year-old, played 122 games last year, 23 home runs, hit 266, battle injury in the middle of the season. But coming back with an ADP of 110 this year, um, are we are we in on the Josh Young train? Because when he was healthy, that power was pretty sweet. Yeah, I think that uh, at, at his ADP, I think Josh Young is completely reasonable. Um, it's just ultimately, yeah, you know, where are you going to be able to find your starting pitching? Is there a third baseman that you like later? There's nothing wrong with Young for me at all. And in fact, I'm going to have some where I can here and there. A 12% barrel rate. 48% hard hit rate. The guy is just off the charts as far as how he impacts the ball. The 29% K rate is much higher than I expected. If you look at his uh, first taste at AAA, he was 22% and 22% that same year in AA. So you would have thought that he would have that more batting average with solid power, but not elite power with a lower batting average. But he also had a shoulder injury and maybe he's just developed in this power swing happy approach but either way i think he's he's a really nice pick and you're buying a, a player in a world series caliber offense yep i'm with you i think he's very very solid especially at that third base position where it gets it's still it's there's depth but it gets very interesting there so i think young's got another level to him like a 30 plus home run dude which yes could be pretty pretty fun evan carter now this one is um polarizing is the right word but very interesting in the fantasy circle because played 23 games in the bigs, five homers, three stolen bases, uh, hit 306, good little run in the postseason. Uh, the, I, I just have a lot of questions, but I'm going to wait and hear your answer first before I get there. But you got to pay a premium for him, it feels like, with an ADP of 137. So what are your thoughts on Evan Carter? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, you know, coming up through the minor leagues, he did never show the power that he showed – um, and his taste and, and his cup of coffee with the Rangers. So for me, I'm discounting that quite a good bit since it was a short sample run of 75 plate appearances. Um, I think the steamer projection of 17 home runs, 15 uh, steals, probably sitting against lefties. They don't have that in their projection, but I would imagine he will since he was inept against lefties last year. And this is a first division team, so they're going to have high standards. Um, and they have a crowded depth chart too. So, yeah, I mean, kind of a 15-15 guy, maybe plus or minus on, you know, home runs or steals. But for me, there's outfielders I like better that go a bit cheaper and don't have as much volatility since he is still unproven at the big league level. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing with me is the talent's nice and all, but I think he platoons because of those lefty-righty splits for sure. Yes. I'm with you there, and that'll cut into the plate appearances, obviously. But um, just overall production, that's a – I'd say profile you can get later in the draft, like you said. That's definitely uh, one you can get somewhere else. And at that point where you have to draft Evan Carter, you can go and get your SP2. You can get a lot of other positions filled out where um, I think it's more proper build than than the Evan Carter train. Could be wrong. Maybe he proves this wrong. Maybe he figured something out in the bigs. But I'd be shocked, uh, to say say the least. Leody Tavares, uh, a player that we've wanted to be Great in fantasy for so many years. And last year, he put up a 14-14 season, and he had 266 in 143 games. 
not too shabby. It's kind of the similar projection to Evan Carter uh, coming up here. Except Leody Tavares gets picked at ADP 260. So what's your thoughts on Leody Tavares at ADP 260? Yeah, ADP 260, it's it's not going to kill you if he doesn't pan out. But, you know, this is a guy that had a long runway in the big leagues as an elite defensive player who was just holding his head above water and showed a little bit of promise. But um, he pretty much melted down in the second half, 72 WRC plus in the second half. And ultimately, I don't think he's a very good hitter. I mean, he's okay. When you factor in the elite defense, he's a good big leaguer, but... For fantasy, I just think there's other players I'm focused on. Um, but, yeah, he serves his purpose for Texas. Yep, serves his purpose is definitely the way it is uh, to be out there and at least keep the bench, the position warm for a player we'll talk <laughs> about later in the show is what I would think. Um, last guy I have written down here, Ezekiel Duran. They have him projected to DH. I don't know how long that'll last. Uh, he's very – positional flexibility is great. I think it's like third base, shortstop, outfield, or something like that. He's all over the diamond. I got it right here, actually. Um, he, you got him all over the place. Yeah, third base, shortstop, outfield. He's got an ADP of 360. So the ADP is extremely cheap. Playing time is a concern. Like he played 122 games last year, which is great. Steamers got him for 49. I obviously think it's something in the middle. But um, how do you look at it as a guy like Ezekiel Duran? Is he just uh, is what it is? He won't be on your roster, or is there something more to it? Uh, he's a guy that I'm pretty high on okay, good. factor in the cost. I mean, 360. he's a bench reserve pick for your DCs. Oh yeah. DCs covers, is great. Covers your outfield, middle infield and corner infield. Any injury to any player that we just talked about in the previous 17 minutes, he's going to get automatic playing time. Excellent. Max exit velocity hits the ball hard, steals some bases would be a starter on most teams in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think he's an excellent pickup here. And even in a fab league, if you're not looking at a DC, he he's one of those guys where you can have two bench hitters, five pitchers, and you'll have coverage because he has so many different positions. So he's a player I'm, I'm pretty optimistic on. I like it. I've uh, talked about him on the shortstop preview of Bloomfield as a late-round shortstop target of mine for the, pretty much most of the reasons you just mentioned there. So glad we're on the same page on that. Uh, any other hitters you'd like to mention that's on the active roster for now? We'll obviously we'll talk prospect later on. No, yeah. um, it was just a debate of whether or not they'd bring back Mitch Garver. And considering yeah. they're highly uh, high budget, I don't blame them for letting him go. So yeah, that's it. Yep, yep, that's a shot. I would I would have liked him there, but obviously not in the cards on that one. Let's head to the mound, Nate Eovaldi, or Nathan, I should say, Eovaldi is coming in off an interesting season. Like, started out really, really, really good. Then kind of had some injury concerns. Finished the season pretty, at least in the postseason. His last outing was pretty good. Um, Dig up to 144 innings, which is good to see. Strikeouts were still decent. Ratios were... That's the one thing. Everybody likes to have their little fun with Evaldi. He's got a sub-4 ERA every year since 2020. Like, dude's been pretty good in that regard. What's your thoughts on Evaldi? Because right now, ADP of 204. Yeah, Uvalde was one of the better pitchers in the American League until uh, he had his second half decline. And um, just based on the depth that the Rangers had in the season, they were kind of, I hate to say forced, but they kind of brought him back and it didn't go very smoothly. Um, As far as just looking here from September 5th till the end of the year, he had 20 innings and gave up 21 earned runs. 
but then somehow was able to get back into form in the playoffs and his velocity recovered as well, which shocked me. That was one reason yeah. I didn't expect him to make it because this guy was a shell of himself. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's basically one of these pitchers. That's a very good pitcher mixes his pitches really well, has a split finger, uh, that he really uses for whiffs. And before the, uh, before the disaster coming back from the injured list, he had 123 innings, uh, with a 2.69 ERA, 111 strikeouts, so a little bit below one per inning, but he's a, a pretty good pitcher if you're willing to stomach the risk. And whenever you see that velocity dip, you can just sit him for, for that time period. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm still on the Evaldi train. When he got that, that velocity back, I was like, holy shnikes, that actually <laughs> happened. Like, I did, I'm with you. I thought he was donezo. I'm like, this yeah. is, well, don't even bring him back. It's a bad idea. And then that's what he did. So that was obviously great to see. John Gray, uh, was, it was a weird year for John Gray. Started out really good, uh, made a massive pitch mix, or started out really rough, made a pitch mix change. It got very, very good. And then it kind of all went up in smoke again. Uh, made 29 starts, though, threw 157 innings, 412 ERA. Um, you don't have to pay for He's a 312 uh, yeah. ADP. It's free. So are you going to give John Gray another chance this year? Or is there anything that concerns you? That's a good question. And uh, I know his ADP started out even lower this year. I know he was closer to pick 400, which is yep. a surprise since he's a, a huge name uh, for for that range if you look at starting pitchers. But for me, I it's it's funny. I I'm not sure what to do with him, and at this point, I'm not willing to invest in him because his performance did go down quite a bit last year. He's dealt with numerous injuries. That's part of the package with him. Um, so for me, I don't blame anyone that goes for him, but I just want something a little bit more surefire. And I get that that doesn't exist in this ADP range, but he's just too all over the place. I had him last year, and you never knew what, what kind of start you would get out of the guy. Yeah, and that's the problem with a lot of these Rangers pitchers. Where like Evaldi, <laughs> when you have all these quote unquote your most reliable, comfortable arm right now, that says a lot about this pitching staff. We said a lot of these things last year though, and it turned out they they found a way to piece it together. So we'll see yeah. this year, but that does not mean you need to piece it together on your fantasy team. Um, because the next guy we're talking about is Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney actually finished the year in the bullpen for the Texas Rangers. Um, he made twenty eight starts, so made thirty four appearances. Strikeouts were still pretty good, down compared to the previous two years, but still good. Um, ratios weren't atrocious. Bullpen probably helped with that a little bit. ADP's 360. This is a guy with Heaney, and I've given him a lot of crap throughout the day. Guy can give up a home runs with the best of them. He's very good at that. But when he's on, he can also strike out double digits pretty easily. Like he makes it look easy at times. So what's your thoughts on Heaney this year, paying 360 ADP price? Yeah, 360. Um, again, this is just another arm that's just not too reliable enough for me. Um, he he is another absolute roller coaster. I had him in a few leagues, and he was amazing for a month, and then he would literally have 15 earned runs and two starts combined, and it just it's hard to predict when he is going to be a good arm. His velocity's kind of dropped off too, and You've seen the team's usage of him. They can shuffle him in and out of the bullpen, so their confidence in him is low as well. So, um, yeah, I just think he kind of is what he is. He can he can get some whiffs. He's probably more of a four-inning pitcher than a full-blown starter, and uh, I just have my sights set a little bit higher than him. Yep, that's totally fair. It's a ro- Roller coaster is a great way to define Andrew Heaney. Yes. That is a great way to do it because there are some serious highs. 
but some massive lows on that train. Sometimes in the same game. So uh, makes it really crazy. Dane Dunning. Going to show some love to Dane Dunning. I talked about him on like some of the season wrap-up shows. Um, He's boring. That's the way I'm going to say it with Dane Dunning. Very (laughs) boring. Doesn't strike out a ton of dudes. Like he had a 7.3K to 9. If you look at uh, percentages, he had um, right there. 19.4% 19.4% K rate, 7.6% walk, 11.8% K to walk. Obviously, you'd like to see a little more there. But what you also get are pretty good ratios. 370 RA, um, you know, 1-2-6 whip is what it is, not great. But it's not bad for an ADP not of bad. 354. That's where it is. The thing is, last year when I loved them in DCs, a lot later than that. So are you interested in a Dane Dunning in the 350, close to the Andrew Heaney range? Uh, this is this is a weird team just because I really don't like a lot of their arms. I think yeah, Dunning is, good. yeah, Dunning is is fine. I I understand it, um, but for me, if he's not preventing ratios, he just doesn't have anything to fall back on. Um, just since the swing and miss and the strikeout stuff is is low, since he's hovering over that Zach Grinky line of ninety miles an hour, so. Um, he might have some sort of tricks where he can outperform his. Uh, Sierra and some of the other metrics. And if he does this again next year, I'll certainly open up my eyes because some players can do that. But um, since he doesn't have the strikeouts to fall back on, um, I felt like in that first half, he was highly over overperforming, but then he had a nice spurt uh, towards the end of the year. So he can go on runs, which is good. So maybe more of a fab league guy. So you can dump him if uh, it doesn't work out, but uh, not a huge guy for me personally. Yep. Again, I had a lot of them last year because of his price. Don't have much this year. Yeah. It's just one of those games where at his price last year, we're getting 500s or whatever. I'll sacrifice other stats just to get like the ratios where at 354, I got to get a little bit more. Like I'd rather gamble on a Heaney and his strikeout upside in that yeah. range. If if I had to, I don't really want either one, but that's where I'd be going in that range per se. Would you, uh, would you go for more of a Ranger Suarez, Clark Schmidt, Steven Matz, any of those ring any bells to you? I have a lot of Steven Matz already, and Ra- Ranger Suarez is uh, one guy I'm not giving up on just because injuries hurt him a bit, but just the, kind of the way he finished, like at least healthy and didn't look completely like the Ranger Suarez of old, but you saw signs of it where I'm like, okay, I can see a potential bounce back there. But I love Steven Matz, big Steven Matz guy. I was loving what he was doing last year before his injury, and I'm gonna, yeah. that's a guy that usually goes a lot higher. Let's just put it that way. So. Yeah. And it sounds like you're on them too, so that is good. Very, very good. Um, now, this Rangers pitching staff is obviously less than ideal, but maybe, kind of, could get better midway-ish through the season if things work out well. So I hope that made sense to everybody out there. I tried to make it as complicated as possible. Um, they have three reinforcements potentially coming. Jacob DeGrom should be back midseason. Tyler Molly should be back midseason. Max Scherzer should be back midseason. Scherzer had a uh, back surgery. DeGrom obviously had another, was it elbow or shoulder? Sorry, I got it right here. Uh, DeGrom TJ. had TJ again. He had that in June. So you're hoping for a July-ish, August potentially there. Maybe earlier, but probably more July, August. Uh, Tyler Molly, yet is in May, so you're thinking July probably. Um, and then Scherzer had the back deal, and they're hoping for a, a – June, July for him is what they said. Yes. So again, all-star break. Let's just think all-star break for three guys. If we can get them back, what's your interest in these guys? Because let me just rile these off real quick. I want you kind of just do a group speak here to your thoughts. 
Scherzer, 338 ADP. DeGrom, 429 ADP. Molle, 661 ADP. And I have taken a couple shares of Molle, I'll be honest <laughs> about that at 661. <laughs> but it, what are your thoughts on these three potential reinforcements later on in the season? You know, DeGrom for me is, is the most cut and dry. I, you know, so many injuries and he's had setback after setback. And for me, yep. they this this team owes this guy a lot of money. So I think they're going to have an abundance of caution with him. I mean, after next year, they're still paying him for another three plus years yep. with a club option at the end of that. So I wouldn't be surprised if you only get a few starts in September out of him. And for me, you mentioned off his ADP. It's not cheap pick 430 there's still plenty of good players there i mean they're not amazing but there's more useful players with better volume so degrom is not a guy i'm going for yep and what about your interest on uh, a scherzer with the back injuries because he's we've seen that from time and time with him the last couple of years uh any interest <clears throat> in maybe taking the gamble there potentially in a dc fab league is tough because oh, yeah. you're not going to get any breakouts You'll have a six-man bench if you take him in a fab league. But this is a player that tore a, a shoulder muscle before the playoffs. Everyone thought he was cooked. He was kind of cooked because he was only a three, four-inning starter, but he gave them a little bit of grit. So I love his mentality. I love mm -hmm. his makeup, and I think that he will be able to make it back and, and give you a half season of, of decent or pretty good numbers. His skills last year were still excellent, 21% K minus walk. Um, so going into this year before the back injury, I kind of viewed him as like a Kershaw where you don't know how many innings you're going to get, but maybe a 120 uh, of good solid innings. And, um, but yeah, I think he's, he's reasonable there in a DC in a fab league. I don't know. It's, it's really hard. I've learned my lesson on stashing and fab for injury pitchers. Yeah. And fab, he's just not even, I can't, I can't stomach it. Not going to yes. happen. Uh, 338 ADP in a DC. That's why it does get interesting. If he comes back at all-star break, and a lot of it is what you said, as people get annoyed when I say things like this, but it says it's not so um, statistically inclined. Like you said, it's uh, just kind of the makeup, the moxie of this yeah. guy. And you talked about the money that they owe to Grum. Scherzer's a free agent after this year. He's got three years, $130 million. So they're going to want to be uh, – he's a free agent in 2025, if I read correctly. So this mm -hmm. is his last her off. So they want to probably if he's if there's anything in, in that arm that could go they want to go so I think it's going to be interesting as well I think the Kershaw comparison is pretty pretty fair also you mentioned the moxie and the makeup let's face it most batters would never have made it back from Tommy John surgery as fast as a Bryce Harper a guy who played through mm -hmm. a, a broken thumb the previous year so I do think there is a lot to who the person is as well as you know the competitor. 100%. Because some guys will say, oh, I'm injured. I got to rehab. I'll just maximize this and get paid to do nothing, basically. Where other guys <laughs> like, I want to get my ass back on the field and start like doing this. So, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of that. All right. Let's head to the bullpen now, where it was an up and down year for a lot of pitchers in the bullpen last year. And it finished with Jose LeClerc keeping the ball. Um, he got four saves to finish out the year, 270 RA, main guy in the postseason. Spores had a lot of run in the postseason as well, but LeClerc was the dude. That finished out the year. Right now has an ADP of 199. Um, there could be other options back there. I, this bullpen always annoys me. Like Jonathan Hernandez had his moments. Um, he, he Kirby Yates is back there who they signed. What are your thoughts going into the year? Are you taking a close to ADP 200 with the clerk, or are you just kind of avoiding Texas as a whole? Uh, 
Yeah, so top 200 pick in DCs uh, last month for Leclerc. Um, he was he didn't have a great year, but towards the end and in the playoffs, he reestablished himself. So that's a very positive sign, and that's why his ADP is where it is. Um, for me, he's one of those guys where you're investing a substantial amount, but his security is far lower than other closers. So I'm not taking him, but if spring training rolls around and, and he looks pretty good, I might reopen up my mind to him, but there's other relievers in this bullpen. I like to invest in more. Uh, before we hear about them, I wanted them to sign Hater, obviously. But yeah. Finances kind of screwed that up. We tend to hit on that briefly at the top. Who are some other relievers in this bullpen you're focused on more than? So really in the in their lead up to the World Series, they really only had a few relievers they trusted with, yep. with Bruce Bochy. It was LeClerc in the ninth, Josh Spores in the seventh or eighth, and Aroldis Chapman in the seventh or eighth. If you look at Josh Spores, he recorded some very key outs in the World Series, 31% strikeout rate, 16% swinging strike, 33% CSW. This is amazing. He had his left on base rate at 56%. I don't think that's going to repeat itself. And in the last few rounds of a DC, you can grab him, maybe use him for ratios if you need be. And if Leclerc somehow blows up because Josh Hader didn't go there, I wouldn't be shocked if Spores was to uh, get some sort of closer share in this Texas bullpen. I hope you're right, just because in DCs I've been really attacking Spores. I love one of my things that's worked well for me, and obviously other people too, is attacking late round relievers that can just get you good, hopefully K's ratios and yes. just see what else, see what else. And Spores is one for me, especially in the ADP of six sixty seven. Yes. Like he's almost going undrafted. Like there's sixteen drafts in this ADP block. One of the drafts he didn't even get drafted in. He went as and he went as has he went between five twenty one and seven forty three, and then didn't get drafted in one. So like. I, I do like taking chances on him and obviously some other guys that people can look at in the back in the DCs, but sports, I, I like, I like that your head's in the, a similar spot there. Cause I've been, I've been looking at him quite a bit too. Yeah. You look at his uh, ERA and you look at his whip, his ERA is sitting at 5.5 yet. His whip is at one fifteen. to me. That tells me bad luck on the ERA and he'll come around. So yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And the way he finished the year is, is, um, uh, is, is very, very strong as well. Um, all righty then let's get to the moment that I can't wait to hear about here. Any prospects that the Rangers might be calling up this year? Yeah, certainly so. And, uh, <laughs> I thought we might've hit on him earlier, but Wyatt Langford, uh, ADP of 168. He is one of the most decorated prospects in the whole minor leagues and is ready to join one of the best offenses in the game. Um, but yeah, he, he got drafted last year and still somehow made it through four different levels, which I've never seen before uh, monitoring prospects and just pretty much checked off every single flag that you can imagine. Bruce Bochy's already been uh, on the record as saying, we don't care about age. We care about performance, which is basically saying this kid has every chance to earn every day at bats from day one. And I think you're only going to see the ADP go up uh, from a 168 DC pick and uh yeah he i would imagine as more of a 25 to 30 home run guy maybe five to ten steals since he is a little bit more of that beefier corner outfield profile not not big or anything but just muscular bound um but yeah he is uh, a guy that has a chance to skyrocket uh for uh for this season who do you think or how like, whose playing time gets 
taken away from Langford? Do you think it's Leodi or do you think how do you, how do you think that that's that's I guess one of my biggest questions looking at the Rangers is I agree that they everyone's talking about the talent of Langford, but I'm trying to figure out where he squeezes in. So in my mind, we had mentioned Garver did not go back there. Um, so Duran. So I think I think Duran is one of those guys that probably plays two, three, maybe four times a week initially. And I think that they can rotate out that um, that fourth outfield slash DH spot. I don't see why they wouldn't do that because Langford that is is an absolute superstar in waiting. So, you know, I don't know. No, I'm with you. I just that's just been one of my like curiosity moments is how does it work? Obviously, if the talent's there, they're going to make anything work. That's just bottom line baseball. Uh, I just try to always sit there and go, who the odd man has? And you know, he could literally platoon with Evan Carter. Yes. And, the, and then DH on the side after that type stuff, if he's that good. That could be what it is. Or or he could platoon with Evan Carter and then let Adelise DH and go play the outfield or something. That's Or Leody even. There's lots of ways to go about it, I guess. But, um, my, my ultimate question would be is how comfortable, I guess, would Bruce Bochy be with Evan Carter in center field? He only had yeah. uh, a handful of games in center field. But to me, Leody Tavares is the guy that could be phased out a little bit more easily. But I think there's a lot of ways for him to mash, and I, I think he's going to force his way onto the opening day roster. Yeah, uh, that 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 part I, I'm definitely in with Bochi. He's old school, but he also yes. will play will play the dudes. I, I know that very well for being with the Giants. He, <laughs> a young player comes up and he's good. Bochi will play him and find a way to make it work. So yeah. uh, play a little bit of good defense, and they'll they'll move you around. That's that's for darn sure. Anybody else that potentially has some fantasy value in the prospect world for the Rangers, or are they kind of used up in recent years? Um, used up, perhaps. Um, Owen White's one player that's certainly captured a little bit of buzz. He'd be entering in an elite team context if he was able to to get a rotation spot since he'll have bottom feeders he can destroy like Oakland and the Angels. Um, so that's certainly one. Um, as far as his ADP, I don't even have it pulled up yet, but yeah, 734. He's only been drafted in seven out of 19 DCs over the last month. So if you want a late round flyer, he's shown some potential here and there. And like I said, it's going to have plus team context if he were to uh, get a spot, which all the all the injured guys that we mentioned, I think that he's a reasonable handcuff if you drafted one of the big arms earlier on. Yep. No, that makes a ton of sense. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, they, they're going to need some help. It just sucks because the – we talked about him last year. Offense so good, pitching sucks. Very similar this year, except they're they're being handcuffed by. Well, I don't want to be on the team side on this because even with like the the basic TV deal, every team gets like sixty million dollars. I saw something along those lines from like the the national TV deals. So and they just won a World Series, so they got some more revenue coming in that direction. So I can't feel too bad for the Rangers. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But <laughs> uh, it, it sucks because you feel like they should be doing more to maybe take a chance at back to backs. Just my two cents, but because uh, the offense is so good, it's going to be real good. But that and that, but like I just did the Astros preview, like I said, and that team looks filthy. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I, I think the good thing is, is that like we had mentioned in the b- middle of the show, like you're going to have those three reinforcement pitchers coming back. Yep. Um, so that'll be interesting. You'll be able to see where you're at. This is a prime team to go at a Kinley Jansen at the trading deadline. True. Lengthen the lengthen the bullpen there. So I mean, 
they'll be, I think that they're at a great position right now and there's multiple ways that they can improve their pitching um, once they see where they're at in the middle of the year. Yeah, that's the, um, that, that'll be the, the part of the trades might be the way to improve the team instead of the, you're 100% correct there. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Um, I still am always going to pretty much favor the Astros as long as they have that <laughs> offense. But but they're pitching suspect too. I'll say that much. Outside of Framber, you're relying on Verlander at 41 to keep going the way he's going. And then it's like Javier and Brown and these other guys that need to kind of take that step to do it. So we'll see. Then the Mariners are always hanging out. They have a ridiculous pitching staff. Um, we, don't, we don't need to worry about the – other two teams in the division but um before we wrap things up lucas why don't you uh remind everybody where they can find you what you got going on you've been a busy busy man in the writing streets these days yeah so um this this winter i was able i was fortunate enough to be able to join up with uh, ftn fantasy um so i've been putting out some articles there every week um so feel free to check those out we have our fantasy baseball draft guide and and I, I've been scouring over that thing. There's so much good information. It's uh, highly recommended. It's good value too. Um, and then as far as a little bit more work, uh, I have a, my own website, dcdynasty.co. I've been writing up a late round starting pitchers there. So I'll have another article dropping here shortly on National League West arms. But yeah, that's where you can find my stuff. Beautiful. Uh, look forward to it as always when new stuff comes out. The FTN draft guide is pretty sweet. I'll be honest. So there's a lot of good yep. stuff there. Lucas is pumping out content all over the place. So make sure y'all check him out at LucasBerry33 as he'll keep you posted there. And then obviously the websites, all the good stuff there. But Lucas, my friend, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bubba. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 635, your 2024 Texas Rangers team preview. Catch y'all next time.